0: let J.J. Weeks and the band know how much we love them. <laughs> Happy they're here today. Awesome. Don't forget their product table out here. Also, guys, we're going to give you a chance to invest in their ministry. So as you're leaving today, we ask you to leave a generous gift for these guys. This is what they do. This is their living. This is their income. Can you imagine what the fuel bill on that bus out there is? Wow. So let's be good to them. They will go to any church of any size. When they come to a church our size, we have a chance to really be a blessing to them because other churches can't give what we give. So uh, please be generous today uh, as you're exiting. We begin a brand new sermon series today. We're gonna be talking about prayer. We're calling this sermon series Open Skies. Open Skies. Christians do many things to deprive themselves of God's best in their life. We do a lot of things to just keep God from doing all he wants to do for us. Some of the things we fail to do cause him not to be able to do what he wants to for us. Sometimes it's things we do that get in the way of his blessing in our life. I guess the thing we fail to do that hurts us most is we fail to pray we fail to pray I want God to begin with me in this sermon series and I got to tell you that that's how I hope God always begins uh, as he's working in our lives and working in the life of our church I want him to begin with me I want him to to take the word that I'm preaching and, and, and apply it to me as your senior pastor first and then to our staff and then to our church board and then to our ministry directors. So what I'm going to call on you to do in the next few Sundays, church, is to evaluate your prayer life. Evaluate your prayer life. Do you have one? Is it healthy I don't have a failure in my life. You don't have a failure in your life that is not directly linked to a failure to pray. Christians need to pray. Whitley Church needs to pray. The bridge needs to pray. I need to pray. You need to pray. We need to pray as a church. Jesus talked about it. Luke mentions it in chapter 18, verse 1. He says, then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I think it's interesting how the Lord here ties together losing heart with your prayer life. What does losing heart mean, Pastor? Becoming discouraged, wanting to give up. Wanting to throw the towel in and say, my fight is over, I just can't take it anymore. He says, when you begin to lose heart as a child of God, that is directly linked to your prayer life. So we ask ourselves, why should we pray? Why should you pray and why should I pray? Well, let's start with Luke 18.1. Jesus said, we ought always to pray. So if God said it, I think that's about as good a reason as we need. Amen? Amen. Look in Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious, worried, fearful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is telling us that Christians are to live by prayer. You're to live your life by prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us how often we should pray. Pray without ceasing. So what have we said so far? We have said that the biggest failure of Christians is probably the failure to pray. Overall, generally, most Christians don't pray as God would have them to. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Old Testament, you can read where Samuel wrote, God forbid that I would sin in ceasing to pray see i could have brought that verse up but i didn't bring it up a sin wow i thought prayer was like an option you know if i want to do it good if i don't want to do it good didn't know it was a sin well just reading to you right out of your bible the prophet samuel so we've found that the biggest failure of christians is prayerlessness and Then we found that we should pray about everything. There's nothing that you shouldn't pray about. When those little kids over there in kids' church go, my my puppy dog got his uh, foot hurt, do you think God is like, don't bother me with that? When God said pray about everything, what he actually meant was pray about very good students. And then he says you ought to offer nonstop prayers, and I know this one's a struggle for you because you're out there thinking, hey, pastor, nobody can pray all the time. I mean, we gotta go to Bojangles and and we gotta sleep and I mean, we can't be talking to God all the time. Here's what that means, listen carefully. The Bible says we were made in the image of God. Here's what it means by that. It means that God is triune, God is a trinity and we are a trinity, God is. We are body, mind and spirit. Spirit, The spirit part of us is the part that communes with God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and you decide to become a follower of Jesus today, it isn't your body that connects first. It it really isn't even your mind that connects with him first. It is really your spirit. That is the seat of God. So when you invite God into your life, it is through your spirit that he comes. Now, once he comes into your life, and that's why we have to be so patient with new Christians, because he hasn't taken over their body yet, and he hasn't taken over their mind yet. How many of you know that's a process? How many of you know little babies mess up stuff? So we don't look at them and go, well, you must must not have given your heart to the Lord. You must not be a Christian with what you just did. But we need to be careful doing that because some of us who have been saved a really long time can have somebody look at us and go, same thing for you. I don't know about you all, but I drop the ball sometimes. I mess up sometimes. What did the song say today? We all make what? Mistakes. So when God says that we are to pray without ceasing, he means that our, our spirit is to be in constant communion with him 24 hours a day. Let me give you an illustration. How many mamas we got here today? Mothers. I say mama. Who says mama? We love our mama more. Okay. Okay. Um, let, let's just uh, get a picture in our mind. Here's a mother whose child, let's say they're a little one-year-old very, very sick, has a fever, and she's taken the child to the doctor, and she's gotten the antibiotics, and she's prayed, and you know, for about two or three days, it's just been a fever there that won't go away, and then all of a sudden, that fever breaks. And that little, you know how they look right after a fever, they got those red cheeks, and, and, they, and they just go right off to sleep because they haven't slept well, they haven't rested well, Needless to say, neither has mother, but they go to sleep, and so mom decides, since the baby's fever has broken and the baby's asleep, that she'll get some rest, but she doesn't dare go into her bedroom. She makes a little pallet. You mamas know what I'm talking about? She makes a little bed right there on the floor sometimes, right by the crib or right by the little bed. And she's tired. She doesn't have any sleep either, you know. She's, she's only had a few hours over two or three days, and so boy, when she lays her head down on that pillow, she's gone. And while she's laying there asleep, the ambulance goes by outside, and the siren is blasting, but it doesn't move her. She's, she's undisturbed. Some little boys are having a baseball game outside, and somebody doesn't like to call, so they're fussing, and they're arguing out there, and they're right outside her window, and it's loud in the house, but She doesn't hear anything. She's got one of those little dogs. You know those little dogs, that all they do is bark? (laughs) She has one of those, and every time somebody walks within 50 feet of the house, the dog goes crazy. So he's in the den, barking, yapping, yapping, but it doesn't bother this mama. Oh, all kinds of noises. The television's blaring. Somebody's playing a stereo, but this mother is unmoved. But you let that baby make one whimper. You let that baby go, and but she's on her feet. She's right up by that bed. She's looking over inside going, is my baby all right? Here's what I'm saying to you. While that mother was asleep, her heart was in tune with that baby. While that mother was asleep, her heart and mind was still in union with that little baby. Am I right, mamas? You know what I'm talking about? You daddies, some of you daddies know too. We've been there too. And that's how we can pray without ceasing. Your heart, your mind, your spirit needs to always be in communion with God 24 hours a day. I know the night before I preach, um, I'll wake up several times. And when I wake up, the first thing that hits is my sermon and how I need God's help. Especially, you know, sometimes he'll give me sermons, and I'll go, I really don't want to preach that. I I really had something else in mind. And he says, they're not your sheep. You're just my mouthpiece. Simmer down now. (laughs) And I say, yes, sir. And I'll lay there at night and think about how much I so need him. I think about who, I mean, the enemy will come sometimes in the night and go, Who do you think you are? You've got so much stuff going on in your own life, and you're going to get up in front of 1,500 people this weekend and tell them how they ought to be living there. You know that voice, don't you? You know that voice. God will speak to me, and I'll have communion with him, and he'll help me walk through. I've walked through a sermon at 3 o'clock in the morning, how I'm going to say that, and how I'm going to illustrate that, and how I'm going to connect with you guys, because I want you to get the message. Praying without ceasing doesn't mean that our lips are always moving, talking to God, but it means that constantly, moment by moment, we're in a union and a communion with God. Does that make sense? We're gonna talk about three things in this series. The first one is the power of prayer. I wanna talk to you this morning about the power of prayer. Now under this first heading, the power of prayer, I'm gonna give you three little headings. Let me talk about the power of prayer. I was reading some quotes by some great men of God. One of them said, the reason prayer is so powerful is because prayer can do anything God can do and God can do anything. Prayer can do anything God can do, and God can do anything. Another writer said, there's nothing that lies outside the reach of prayer unless it lies outside the reach of God, and nothing lies outside the reach of God. The power of prayer. The first thing I want you to notice about the power of prayer is that Prayer is God's way to bless you. Prayer is the way God has chosen to bless you. Let me just take a poll. Does anybody need a blessing from God today? Can we just, He's watching so if you don't raise your hand, you won't get one. <laughs> Did you know God wants to bless you? That's the thing we can't get over. We think we've got to do a sales pitch. We think when we come to God in prayer, we've got to to impress him. And and when we impress him with the way we put our words together and the things that we say, God's gonna go, whoa, that was awesome. I guess I'll have to do something. He wants to bless you. As a matter of fact, I told a girl Saturday, Thursday, night at the bridge. She came up to me and said, I don't, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to talk to God. I said, "How do you talk to your, friend?" And Pastor Matt's going to come at the end of the sermon today. you'll see him walk up here. He's going to lead us in an old song that says, "What a friend we have in Jesus. How do you talk to your, friend? Oh, but he's God, and, oh listen, he's your elder brother. He's your friend. He, he, he's a, a God that, that comes. Y'all look up that word loving kindness in the Bible. That, that's a whole Bible study. Go and do the original Hebrew and the original language and do a study on loving kindness. That's how God feels about you. You say, well, I'm afraid if I come to him in prayer and this little girl was saying this Thursday night, I don't know how to say things right. Look, when you don't know how to say things right, he looks beyond your words anyway and looks at your heart. He knows what you're trying to say. You say, but I might say something and sound prideful. Yeah, you might sound prideful, but he knows if you're really prideful or not. Sometimes we don't know how to put it together. We don't know how to say it. Listen, he isn't sitting up there in heaven. Please get this picture out of your mind of God sitting in heaven with his arms crossed going, all right, give me what you got. And you start praying, he goes, what, that's pathetic. Is that all you got? That is not. That's why Jesus said, unless your heart becomes like that of a little child, you can't even go to heaven. You ever heard a child pray? Children come up to me and say, Pastor, can I pray for you? I'm all over it. Because, man, they've got a direct line. They haven't been trained in doubt yet. They don't know all the excuses we come up with in the church about why God doesn't do anything anymore. Am I, y'all hearing me out there? Is this on? Um, they don't know. They haven't been trained in that. So when they pray, man, when them little kids pray, it's pure. And I know they're little demons. Some, I understand that. But I'm just saying that their heart don't have so much junk in it like ours. So I let them babies pray for me. Listen, God loves it. Look, my boys used to come to me when they were little. They didn't know how to say stuff. But I looked beyond their words and saw their heart. You remember that old song, He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. I used to think it said, He looked beyond my socks and saw my knees, but (laughs) that's not true. God takes pleasure in blessing us. Look what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, prayer is not coming or not overcoming God's reluctance. Let me say that again. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. See, that's what we think. We think we come to God and he's reluctant. He really don't want to bless us. But if we can say it right and talk him into it, he might bless us anyway. Folks, that's wrong, Don't believe that. Martin Luther uh, years ago said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. Did you hear me? Prayer is not overcoming his reluctance. God isn't reluctant to help you. God isn't isn't reluctant to bless you. God isn't pausing and, and checking out every little perfect thing about you. He isn't reluctant. He wants you to come to him. Don't worry about that. Just lay hold of his willingness. He's willing, he's willing, he's ready. And then he tells us in the book of James, and actually we could go to James chapter four and we could do a whole study on prayer right there in James four. I mean, James four is just all about prayer. So let's just pull out a couple of things, and we know this one. We know this one so much. It's a cliche, and it's in James chapter 4, verse 2, the last part of the verse. Let's all say it together. You have not because you have we Now, we have made that a cliche. It is not a cliche. It is the word of the living God. Now, when God said you don't have because you don't ask, what God really meant was you don't have because you don't ask. That's what he really meant. Do you know there are blessings that God has for you and you have not received them yet just because you're so stubborn? Now that's the Saturday night crowd and the second service crowd. So y'all just work with me. I've got to preach it to y'all too. We're stubborn. I'm telling you, we are some stubborn people. We said, I'll handle it, I'll handle it, I'll handle it. It's like Dr. Vance Havner, old preacher, a long time ago, he said he was uh, talking to a lady and she wanted some counseling, and he said, well, let's just stop and pray. She said, has it come to that? Some of us feel that way. We think you don't pray until it's just desperate, until it's just hopeless, until you're about to go off a cliff. You're to pray without ceasing. And you're to ask God. You say, well, I would ask him, but I'm afraid he might not like it if I ask him for something he really don't want. Guess what? When my kids ask me for something I didn't want, what'd I say? You ain't getting that? I didn't go, oh. You've asked me for something I don't want to give you. You are not my child. Get away. No, I just go, no, you ain't getting that. (laughs) Southern, you know. He's your your father. You're his child. Don't walk around on eggshells. You say, well, sometimes I don't know what God's will is. Well, what about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? God's, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. He goes, God, if there's any other way to get Pharaoh Hardison back to you other than this cross that I've got to go through, please let that pass from me. Didn't he pray that? And then he said, but nevertheless not. But if Jesus can pray that, do you think we could pray that? I end all my prayers like that. Now God, I've asked for a bunch of stuff and I'd like to have it all. However, if some of it would mess me up, don't give it to me. I'm excited about our new building back there. I can't wait till we have our new building back there. But you know what I pray? Don't give it to us till you're ready. Amen? If my motive isn't right, if our motive is pride... If our motive is to say, come look what we've built, come look what we've done, we got the biggest church, we got the best church, we got the prettiest church, we got the coolest church, then God, if that's the reason we're building that building, don't let us build it. But if we're gonna build that building to embrace you further in our community or embrace people with your love further in our community, if we're gonna bring more people to Jesus, if we're gonna attract more unchurched people who will come and say, I didn't know church could be like this. I want Jesus in my life. If this is what being a Christian is, then I want this, then God will. We want that building. But if our motivation's wrong, God, stop us dead in our tracks. Amen? Amen? We can have five services. Mm. <clears throat> That's what I said. I believe you're going to get to heaven one day and God's going to walk up to a door and open it up and go look in there. And you're going to go, oh, I've made it to heaven. Look, look what I got. He said, "I all the stuff I wanted to give you down there, but you wouldn't ask. I'm telling you guys, listen to your pastor. I'm doing without things, you're doing without things. Blessings, awesome, awesome, awesome. Blessings because you just won't pray. We just won't ask, we won't believe. James four and two goes on to say, the way you wanna try to get it is by fighting. What's going on all over the world? Fighting. Turn your TV on, fighting. People are fighting in America. People are fighting in other countries, warring. James says it right here in James 4 and 2. He says, The way we try to get what we want is we fight and war. Now, what you need to understand is James was talking to Christians here. You fight for it, you war for it. Then he he says, You scheme. I got a plan, I got a plan. Have you prayed about it? I I will. If I I see I need some help, I'll talk to him. But I got me something right here. I mean, I've been reading some books on, you know, I've been in the self-help section at Barnes & Noble. And I got me a life plan. I got me a scheme. And then you come to me uh, uh, six months later, and I go, how'd that work out for you? Not too good. We fight, we scheme. Then he mentions lust. We lust. We lust. We're jealous, we're envious of what other people have. He said, and that's why we're not getting what we want, because we're we're doing everything but pray. He says in Philippians 4.19, Paul does, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches. You understand his bank account is always full to the top. You can dip into it and dip into it and dip into it. And when you look at the the meter, it's always pegging full. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I know some of you out there thinking right now, now pastor, that's that's, that's nice. But now pastor, let's get real. I know some Christians who, who, who their needs aren't met. Really? Let me ask you a How many TVs do you need? None. Now, I know some of y'all want to say one 60-inch flat screen 1080. That's all. That's all I need. You don't need a 12-inch black and white that weighs 400 pounds. Do you remember those TVs? You don't need that one. How many of y'all got a TV? God knows if you got one. I mean, you just go and raise your hand. How many of y'all? How many of y'all got two TVs? How many of y'all got three TVs? I ain't going no further now, cause. How many TVs do you need? My God shall supply all your need and a whole bunch of your wants. I live in a nice house. My, my house is about uh, 1,600 square feet. I don't need 1,600 square feet. I could live in 800 square feet if I had to. There's, there, how, I got a bunch of cars in my driveway. We try to have two per person in my house, two, two cars <laughs> per person. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, when you drive by my house, it looks like we're having a party all the time. I don't need, I don't need a car for every person but we got a car for every person in our family who drives. You say, well, why why do some people not have what they need? Well, the Bible gives two reasons. Number one, they don't ask, and number two, they try to get it the wrong way. Another thing James says, and I didn't go into that, but I'll mention it right here, is that a lot of people ask for things from God, not for his glory, but so they can consume it on their own flesh. And God goes, no, I ain't into that. It's just like that building back there. If we want that building for anything other than his glory, I hope he'll stop us dead in our tracks. But if we want it for the advancement of the kingdom, if we see that building back there as a tool to reach more people, then I believe God will pave the path for us to have it. We punish ourselves by failing to pray. So what are we thinking about? We're thinking about prayer, the power of prayer. I'm teaching you today that the way God uh, has chosen to bless you is by prayer. He says, I'll supply all your needs. There's nothing that lies outside the power of God, the reach of God, except that that lies outside his will. Let me give you another one. Prayer is not only the way God blesses you, but number two, prayer is the way God gives you joy, joy. Have you noticed that not every Christian is joyful? Have you noticed some Christians have a long face? One old preacher told me he had seen some Christians that looked like they could eat peas out of the bottom of a quart jar. Think about it. You'll get it later. (laughs) Some Christians were filled with joy early in their walk with God, but over time, they've backslidden away from God. And their joy has waned. You need to remember that the Bible not only says pray without ceasing, it also says rejoice. How often? Always. Pray without ceasing, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, rejoice always. A Christian ought to have a heart full of joy. Listen, listen. And that joy ought to show. But sometimes Christians don't demonstrate joy. And they have a lack of joy in their life. And it is directly related to their prayer life. And let me show that to you in the Word of God. Look at John 16, 24. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. We'll talk about what that means next Sunday. But in John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive. What does the word ask mean? What's he talking about right there? Prayer, ask, pray and you will receive the answer to your prayer and when you receive the answer to your prayer, what's the result of that? Full joy. God doesn't want people to go around sad and defeated. I've told you before, you know this, sad Christian faces are no advertisement for Jesus. I mean, you've met those people who go, I want to invite you to my church. (laughs) We have a really good time there. Follow me. I would say to that guy, I'm good. Think I'll go down to the Walmart. They're much happier than you are. <laughs> God wants his people to be full of joy all the time. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you're happy all the time. Are y'all glad about that? Wouldn't it be something if I came up in here and told you you had to be happy all the time? I mean, what if I just came up here and preached? You've got to walk around with a big old goofy grin on your face all the time, go, I'm saved. You ever met those people, by the way? When I was preparing for the ministry, I was at Heritage Bible College in the city of Dunn, which is the last city God made. <laughs> he made it and he said, exactly. <clears throat> so... You know, I love Jesus as much as the next guy, but I'm just not a morning person. Who's with me? But you got these guys and gals that go to Bible college, and they think you got to be happy all the time if you're a Christian. And I remember, I would preach every weekend in a different church, and I was trying to date several girls. It was rough. And I would come in on Monday morning. I was wore out, man. I was tired. And I'd walk in on Monday morning. I had an 8 o'clock class on something like the kenosis of Christ. Yay. And um, I remember walking into the dining room. And you always got those spiritual people. Oh, praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. How are you this morning? Praise God. I want to knock that guy out. I want to knock him. I just wanted to. Ain't nobody supposed to be like that early in the morning. And if you are like that, keep it to yourself. Can I be honest? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, being happy all the time, that'd be like having ice cream for every meal. And let me tell you all, I love me some ice cream. Especially since I went on this missionary diet that I'm on June 1st. Ice cream has become way more important in my life, and I ain't had none. (laughs) But if I got ice cream for every meal, I would get sick of it. Just like I get sick of those super spiritual, praise the Lord, good morning, hallelujah, go away. So you don't have to be happy all the time, but you do need to be filled with joy all the time. See, the word happy or happiness comes from the word happen. So it means happiness is based on what happens. So if what happens is good, then you're happy. If what happens is bad, you're not happy. So it's all based on your hat. But when it comes to joy, whether you're happy is good or whether you're happy is bad or whether what happened is good or what happened is bad, you understand Jesus is still on the throne. And you understand he's still in control. So when you lose your job or your children don't behave or or just everything goes haywire, you understand that God hadn't lost control. He's still up there on the throne and he rules in your life. And he's going to take care of you. See, that's what joy is. Somebody said happiness is like a thermometer, it just registers the temperature in the room, but joy is like a thermostat. It sets the temperature of your life. One writer said joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is on the throne. See, when the king is on the throne of your heart, joy is the flag of your life. Show me a Christian who's not full of joy and I'll show you a Christian who has a prayer life that is lacking. Joy comes through answered prayer. Let me give you the final one today. Prayer is God's way to cure worry. It's not only his way to bless you, and it's not only his way to fill you with joy, but prayer is the way God cures worry. Now, I'm looking out at the audience today, and I'm looking at some first-class A number one worry warts. I worry. We all worry to one degree or another. But i got to be honest with you about worry. Worry is an insult to God because worry says, God, I, I know, you know what you said, and I know what you promised, but i, I got to tell you, God, when it comes to the, this situation, I, I don't believe you're able to take care of me in this one. Oh, no, 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 Pastor. No, no, I, I would never say that to God. You don't have to say it. You're, you're, you're living it. You're 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 instead of praying and trusting, you're you're worrying. Worry is the opposite of faith. If you faith, if you take faith and turn it around, you have worry. If you take worry and turn it around, you have faith. And when I say that a Christian ought not to ever worry, I don't mean that a Christian won't have trouble. You're gonna have trouble if you're born of woman. Is anybody here not born of woman? Because if you're not, I'd like to meet you right after the service. Because I've never met somebody who was hatched. (laughs) First Peter five and seven, look what it says. First Peter five and seven. Give all your worries to him because he cares about you. You ever have a burden? Sometimes I know where my burden came from. Sometimes I really don't know where my burden came from. Do you ever have a burden and you don't even know why you're burdened? Let me tell you why God allows burdens in your life. So you will bring them back to him. Bring your burdens to him. Y'all remember the old hymn? Take your burdens to the Lord and... Let's say it out loud. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If y'all don't say it, I'm going to sing it. Nobody wants that. Too many of us will take our burdens to the Lord. We have them in a sack. We carry them on our back. And we take them to the Lord in prayer. And we pour them out before him and say, Lord, look at my burdens. (laughs) Look at my burdens. Look at my burdens. Lord, do you see them? God goes, yes, yes, I see them. And we go, well, I'm so glad. And then we pick them all back up, put them back in the bag, put them back on our back and walk away. We take our burdens to the Lord, but we don't leave them there. I've seen people come to the altar and weep and cry and we pray for them and they walk out with the same heaviness. Let's look at Psalm 37.5 and I'm gonna teach you here what to do with your burdens. Psalm 37.5, commit. Everybody say commit. Your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he will do it. Let's just, let's, let's make an illustration this morning as we close this sermon. Let's do an illustration that will make you get excited. Let's say that uh, a, a uh, rich uncle you didn't know you had, uh, you got a letter saying show up at so-and-so lawyer's office because we're gonna read the will and you're in it. And when you get there, that rich uncle left you $100,000 in cash in an envelope. Glory, just don't forget where to pay your tithes. And you take that, and you're just, you know, you do the happy dance, and you got your $100,000. And uh, I'm going to do another dance one day. I'm working on something like that, but I'll let you know one. But I ain't got it down yet. But um, $100,000 in the envelope, cash money, and you're like, whoa, yeah, high five. All of a sudden, though, you start to worry because you got $100,000 in cash. And so you start thinking, man, I could drop this. I could get outside the door and some guy mugged me or somebody could rob me of this. And you you think, I could hide it, but I've hidden other stuff I can't find, so I can't hide it. (laughs) So you take that $100,000 and you go down to your bank and you fill out a deposit slip, and you slide it under the window. A little girl on the other side takes it, fills out a receipt, and gives it to you. Now listen, 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 listen. You know that when you do that, they're gonna take it and put it in a vault, and you're gonna trust the bank. You're gonna commit it to the bank and trust the bank that they're going to take care of it. How many of you have ever made a deposit at the bank and then gone home and lay awake because you think they're going to lose it? They're going to lose it. No, they're going to lose it. You go home go to sleep. You trust the bank. This is exactly what God is saying. He's saying, I want you to commit your worries to me. Look what it says. Psalm 37, five, commit, commit. You committed that money to the bank. You gave it to the bank and you stopped worrying about it. And God wants you to commit to him and stop losing sleep. Trust him, believe him. When you give that money, that $100,000 cash, you're saying, now that I've made this commitment, I feel relieved. I'm glad I'm not carrying this around anymore. It's over. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Is anybody hearing me out there? We'll make a commitment to the bank and relax, but we won't commit things to God and relax. Forgive us, Lord. You ever have trouble going to sleep at night, stuff spinning around in your head? Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to learn to take that worry Look, this is is to me, guys. This is Pastor Farrell. I worry, too. I hold on to things I need to turn loose. He wants you to take that circumstance, that situation, that, that possibility that something could go wrong. He wants you to tie a ribbon around it, and he wants you to hand it to him. You know what worry really is? The Bible says sufficient is the day to have plenty of stuff to be concerned about. You know worry is? Worry is when you not only carry on you the stuff that is real that you're dealing with today, but you're gonna reach into tomorrow about what might happen. And you take what might happen tomorrow and you drag it into today. And you know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says your frame as a human being was not made to handle that. Y'all with me? That's why people have breakdowns because not only do they, do they walk in the real deal concerns of the present time, but they reach into the future and think, well, that could happen and that could happen and that could happen, and they pull all that, and your frame was not meant to carry it. There's an old song, and we're going to sing it. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins, and we understand that, but listen to this, all our sins and griefs to bear. Listen to this. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Listen to this, listen. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Now let me just close with this final thought. You know why God doesn't want you to pray? I mean why the uh, devil doesn't want you to pray? I just want to see if you're listening. (laughs) You know why the devil doesn't want you to pray? He wants you to be burdened down all the time so you can't do the mission of the church. See, it isn't about you. He doesn't care about you. He don't care about you and your family. All he cares about is that the church don't do what it was called to do. And we had Jim Wall with us last weekend, did a great job, but the two weekends before that, I talked about the mission of the church. You need to understand that the reason he doesn't want you to pray and the reason he wants you beat down, burdened down, bogged down, worried to death all the time is because people like that can't do the work of God. So let's give it up. Let's release it. Let's all stand, would you? This is an old song, man. Let's sing it out, guys. You remember when we used to sing this in church? Lead us, Pastor that
1: Let's give it to him this morning. And what a friend we have in Jesus, for all our sin and griefs to bear. What. A privilege to privilege you again
0: everything to god in red all right let's sing this think about it oh what peace we often
1: forfeit oh We do not carry Everything to God in prayer let sing the second verse And have we trials and temptations Yes, we do Is there trouble any never be discouraged, take
0: it to the Lord in Here's what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to hold your hands out in front of you, palms up. I want you to squeeze your hands together in a fist. And I want you to think about that thing that you keep holding on to. That God is saying, just give that to me. That thing that you hold on to and you worry about it and you lay lay awake at night about it. And God says, I just want you to give that to me. Will Will you trust me? Like you gave your money to the bank when you got your paycheck this week and you just trusted the bank to take that money and take care of it. And here's what I want you to do, eyes closed. I want you to open your hands now. And say, God, here it is. Take this thing. Maybe it's a child that you just need to commit to God. You've done everything you know how to do. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's something the doctor has told you, some bad news. And and you just lay awake at night. God is saying, open your palms, open your palms. And let me reach in there and take that burden for you. We're gonna sing this first verse again and I want you to sing it and as you sing it, I want you to release whatever's in your life that you're worried about today and I want you to give it to God in prayer. Let's sing it one more time.
1: Let's lift it up to him today. And what a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to give everything to God
0: in prayer. Think about these words
1: now. Oh what peace we often for.
0: Father, I pray over this congregation today that we will understand there are blessings you want to give us, but we have not received them because we've not asked. There are things you want to release into our life. There are burdens you want to take off our shoulders. There are blessings, material, physical. Most of all, spiritual blessings that you want to release into us, Lord. But we've not asked, we've not prayed, we've not believed. Some of us, the only time we pray is over a meal. The only time we pray is if we're at church. We never get alone with you in prayer. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for our prayerlessness, God. Thank you for the people who are here today and our guests and Thank you for people who are here for the first time, new attenders, people who are kind of checking us out. We just pray blessing on them. Lead them here if that's your will, but if it's not, show them the church you want them to be in. God, we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. As you're leaving today, please leave an offering for the JJ Weeks Band. If you're our first-time guest, please go back to the Guest Welcome Center right back there. I'm pointing at it. Go right back there and pick up your free gift before you go home today. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming to church.